Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's the Full Goal, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome into episode 212 of The Full Goal Podcast. I am Jason Golf. Jesse Lopez and Tony Gill are flying by my side. Fellas, how's everything? You guys feeling good? The, the week off to a, a decent enough start? You know, these Tuesday pods are always Sundays to check in on your weekend. Tuesday is one of those joints where it's like, all right, how much did Monday whoop your ass? You know, that's 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 pretty much what this is. So well, I think the how, Sundays how are feeling? the vibes. Vibe, vibes episode now. After well, the there's past always week. the vibes. There's always <laughs> the vibes. The vibes are in constant rotation. And shout out to Anthony Gill, by the way, because he is uh, quickly. You know, you talk about star of the pod. I think he. I think you might when have you to start rebra- thinking about rebranding already. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Tony Gill spinoff Jesse. show is going to be nasty, boy. Uh, I wish you know, UPN you know. was still around, boy. That's <laughs> way that all the brothers could get shows that nobody was watching. <laughs> <laughs> Homeboys in outer space. What else we have on that joint? <laughs> and then you came to CW. Shout out to UPN though. Like, in the house. Sit in the house. Well, <laughs> hey, well cool, where, where you met LL apparently. <laughs> You know, one of the greatest rappers of all time, man, has made hundreds of millions of dollars box office wise and, and, and has been on a, one of those CIS shows for a, a decade plus. But my man met him at In the House. <laughs> and by the way, um, shout out to UP. We need a UPN Netflix documentary because Netflix just does documentaries on everything. We need a UPN like where where the brothers and sisters were allowed to create and then all of a sudden it turned into the CW and all you got is Gilmore Girls after that. <laughs> Dawson's Creek. And, and they got, a, they got a new director, creative director in there. I'm like, oh, you oh, already know. You already know. All this black stuff out of here. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it works for Kelsey Grammer and Girlfriends, but, you know, that's a one-off and he's special. <laughs> it's way too black on this network. <laughs> Shout out to UPN and, and the brothers and sisters who have gone by the wayside because of its cancellation. Oh, Lord have mercy. But I'm glad everything's been good, you know, to start off the week with you two gentlemen. Um, the Bulls lost, all right? The two-game win streak outside of the post-All-Star break situation. Nets, Wizards get it handed to them, and all of a sudden you run up against a team and the Toronto Raptors who are vying for play-in dominance, just like you are. Um, man, what I took away from Bulls-Raptors 
You know, Nick Nurse is a damn fine coach, right? We all know this. And, and when Nick Nurse got that gig, it was like, Nick Nurse? Who the fuck is this guy, right? And then all of a sudden, he started kicking your ass every mm-hmm. single... Like, Stop trying to fire he, this man. Hey, Stop trying to fire hey, him. I don't know what's going on. Go back and look at that Golden State series. And I know Clay went down. I know KD went down. I know all those things happened. But you know who else went down? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr got his ass kicked in that playoff series, and Nick Nurse, the legend of, was born, right? So anytime Nick Nurse goes up against the Bulls, we know what's going to happen. He's getting the ball out of DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine's hands. Sometimes he could do it to one or the other. This game, he did it to both. He did it to both. And along with the fact that the others didn't step up, you know, this game to me, and speaking about coached, and we're going we gonna to get into it here. You know, I want to know what's going on with Billy Donovan and Patrick Williams. Because Patrick Williams, out of the All-Star break, being put to the bench so that he could you know, get more opportunities to be aggressive and not have to run around with the three offensive weapons and all this. And by the way, man, like, you know, there's too many caveats. We out here treating Patrick Williams like a gremlin. Feel me? Like, he can't get water on him or you can't feed him after midnight. Like, if it's lineups that you just can't play with or you're the best you is not being found in, then, you know, hey, man, <laughs> this is the team you got. <laughs> so you got to get in where you fit in, player. This, this game against the Raptors was so stunning to me because Billy Donovan stayed small. Yes, it was stunning to me. It was stunning to me. Tony, I see your little silly face. It was stunning to me. You feel me? You know why? Because Billy Donovan was forced to stay small. What was it? Right? Like, how do you look at it? Billy Donovan starts Alice Caruso three games in a row at the power forward spot. Doesn't hurt you in the first two. But in this one, it does. Because the Bulls gave up, what, 18 offensive rebounds? Turned the ball over 20 times? How many shots did the Toronto Raptors have as opposed to the Chicago Bulls? When I checked last, it was some disparity, like 23 more. This is a numbers game. You can't win like that. You can't win. So are you getting out coached or are the pieces that you should be using or have to use unusable in certain moments? No way in hell Patrick Williams should have been on the bench for that closing lineup when they were getting beat to smithereens on the offensive glass, just absolutely killed. How many possessions down the stretch did OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. find basketballs just bouncing back to them and, and, and poor positioning and not having the inside, um, you know, the inside leverage in, in, in rebounding positioning at the end of that game? Six foot eight, 235 pounds when it came in quite handy. And also, Pascal Siakam. Alex Russo, I thought, did a terrific job against him. Pascal was, what, 7 for 18 from the field, something like that? You know, you want any great shakes? Hell, the Raptors weren't any great shakes. They shot 39%, I believe, something like that. They shot a low percentage from three. They didn't get to the free throw line a whole bunch. The Bulls shot well from free throw. The Bulls shot well from the field. The Bulls shot well from the three-point arc. But in the end, it was a numbers game. What was the uh, the the end field goal attempts? Ninety four to seventy one. The Raptors had twenty three more shots in an NBA game than their opponent. That's the game. Bulls lost this joint by six points, if I'm not mistaken. Right? It was one hundred four ninety eight was the final, something like that. One hundred six ninety eight, something like that. Yeah. Any other time you see that kind of disparity in turnovers, in offensive glass, right? In second chance points, one hundred four ninety eight final. You think it's a 15, 17, 18-point blowout. The Bulls' defense has been keeping them afloat. It did it again tonight. And relying on that defense and also having a game plan that is being executed to a T flawlessly. DeMar DeRozan wasn't allowed to get going. Zach Levine wasn't allowed to get going for several reasons. So, Kobe White who's played well. You know, shout out to Kobe. I, I think that's been a common theme on his pod for the last couple of weeks. Kobe White, who's played well, didn't have the game that I'm sure he wanted to have, nor the Bulls needed him to have tonight. Ayo DeSumo, who's played well over this last couple of games, 
Started this game out a little shaky. Ended up with a decent stat line. They needed more out of these dudes. Like, the Bulls have put themselves in a position where their margin for error is razor thin. Razor thin. Not just from a game-to-game standpoint, but in the in-game standpoint. So from a game-to-game standpoint, you can't be messing around, you know, getting getting 12s and 11s and 10s out of your fourth score. You need somebody to come up and have a big game when Vooch isn't playing well or is being, you know, um, denied the opportunity by his teammates, right? Or when Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan are seeing trap and junk and gimmicky defenses. And, and that's no shade of disrespect to uh, the game plan by the Raptors because that's what really, really good teams do. All right, this ain't no playoff series. We got to get this game. We got to get this game tonight. We know where they at in the standings, so we're going to junk it up, see how long they take to adjust to it. And they stayed close throughout the game until the Bulls started to break turnover-wise and break uh, not cleaning up their defensive glass, you know? So on one hand, you can call it a good defensive game by the Raptors, and I'm sorry, by the Bulls, because their defense carried it. But also, what have we all learned since middle school? A defensive possession ain't over until you get the rebound. So can I call it good defense if you keep giving up offensive rebounds, right? So the issue that the Bulls are running into and have run into is the emergence of one of these young players has to happen. And it needed to happen three weeks ago, a month ago, a month and a half ago, a year ago. The fa- and, and I don't want to speak for Patrick Williams, but if I was Patrick Williams, well, if I was me in Patrick Williams' body, I should say, I would be pissed. Pissed that I have to go back to the second unit and I can't close out games when offensive rebounds are being grabbed to and fro by guys who went to the same school that I went to, guys who won a rookie of the year last year. Scotty Scotty Barnes impacted that game at the end with his physicality and his long arms, right? And his knack for finding the basketball. If I was Patrick Williams, I would have sure loved to be in there challenging and matching that energy. But instead, you close the game with a veteran in Alex Caruso who turned down so many looks, man. Like, Patrick Beverly and Alex Caruso being on the floor at the end of a game, the onus that you are putting on Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and, and Nikola Vucevic, there was a possession there at the end where Zach was like, hey, man, fuck this. Give me the basketball because this ain't cool. <laughs> like, this ain't, this ain't fair. This ain't cool. Like, y'all paying me $200 million, and this ain't the reason why. <laughs> right? DeMar DeRozan is not a slasher. But he tried his hardest to get to the rim. And guess what? Those long athletic wings and all that. Like, they got Chris Boucher out there, Jakob Pertl, you know, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes. Everybody is a pterodactyl. with six arms. foot arms. Yeah, everywhere. Just, just, just arms running everywhere. in the arms. That's it. That's it. Because Lord all knows. The, it. The, the balloon air dude. <laughs> the, wavy, the, wavy, <laughs> the wavy inflatable arm guy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just five of those. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they were doing. That's what that Toronto, hey, we're going to have this little person, <laughs> Rockford's finest, running around out here, Fred Van Vliet. And then we're going to put four condors out here and see if your ass want to shoot nail and elbow jump shots. Because it ain't, hey, by the way, hey, hey, <laughs> you can't and don't shoot three-pointers. So it's not very hard for us to recover from 18 feet to 14 feet where you probably want to shoot it, right? Like, the 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 space problem that this team has on offense is crippling, absolutely crippling. And the fact that you don't have guys who are athletically inclined or too deferential to be aggressive drivers of the basketball outside of Zach Levine. Like, Zach Levine's your driver of the basketball. And then the list maybe stops there. You can throw Kobe in there, right? Kobe had a couple of nifty drives, but Kobe's knock has long been finishing around the rim. He's gotten better with that this year and gotten better with his hand. He's gotten better as a basketball player, right? But, man, the, the, the glaring deficiencies that come out in a loss like this are just so, so clear, man. So clear. You can't trust the fourth pick in the draft to close games out for you right now, even when size is what you need at the power forward position. You're starting six four four, six foot five on a really, really good day. Alex Caruso to go up against a guy like Pascal Siakamu. He did a great job. 
But guess what? That takes so much out of him on the offensive end. He was turning down shots left and right. So the Bulls' roster problem continues. And watching those last two games and then watching this game against the Raptors, you got to win. You got to beat the Pistons. You got to beat the Suns on Friday. You got to you got you you got a schedule that doesn't allow you these kinds of nights for 20 turnovers and 18 offensive rebounds allowed. It's just not allowable. Might have been allowable what games one through 20 might have been allowable games 30 through 35 ain't allowable these last 23 games after the all star break. So, yeah, not being hard on these boys. And even if I was, they deserve it. This team's six games under 500. Six. They, they, they closer to Indiana than they are to the Knicks. And meanwhile, Knicks is just running around out here being tougher than everybody. Shout out to Tibbs. Shout out to everybody who loves kicking dirt on Tom Thibodeau's name. All he does is find a bunch of tough motherfuckers that come out there that might be less talented than you, but there to kick your ass. They're to run up and down and kick your ass and be physical. Jalen Brunson has changed the entire attitude of that squad. Julius Randle's out here playing like an MVP candidate. Like, I don't know if y'all seen Julius these last six, seven games. Man, it's 30, 30 a game, 30 a night, while his team has won six in a row. So you closer to the Pacers than you are to the Knicks in the standings. Can't drop games like you dropped against the Toronto Raptors. Can't have junk defenses confound you to the point where you're looking for guys to score just maybe nine or ten points to put you over the top, right? Like, Patrick Williams can't keep giving you these eights. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Like, we're getting real close to me leaning into it like I did with Lowry Marketing. The expectations and what you're getting, and I'm be real with y'all, Lowry Marketing gave you a lot compared to what's happening over here. Okay? So it looked good on the beach. It looked good at the combine, right? It looked good at church. Uh, he, he is. If, if I had a daughter, I would love for Patrick Williams to show up at my door because he is an upstanding young man, comes from a great family. But right now, I need terrible people who commit, you know, misdemeanor crimes like, like shoplifting and credit card fraud. I need guys who are taking ill-advised shots. I need guys who are elbowing people who are trying to position for, for offensive re. I need the worst people in the world down uh, these next 21 games or so at that power forward position. Be will. Hmm. Can you, can you morph into that for me? Huh? Now, you know what I need to do, Tone? I'm going to take P. Will out. That's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to find I'm going to find a vice for, for Patrick Williams and just, just all right, say, all right, hey, Wayne Brady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Jason Goff going to have to slap a Raptor? <laughs> nah, man, I got to do something because I'm out here rooting for the kid. Like, it was so glaring. It was so glaring. You got Andre Drummond's big ass rumbling up and down. You got Vooch doing what he's supposed to do. Them big boys need a running mate. And and Billy loves going small. He loves it. He loves being able to switch everything and not be able to rebound anything. Patrick Williams, make this situation easier on the coach. Make him not be able to put you on the bench in these moments. Hell, for the starting lineup, right? You get Patrick Beverly and all of a sudden I got to go sit? Like, what? We already told you how I should feel. If I'm Pat Williams... This is the prime game that I should be in fact, uh, uh, impacted and affected. This is the game right here. You got six foot nine dudes running around on the court making plays. Hey, I'm a six foot nine dude. Go do that, man. The 17 against Brooklyn is cool, but that's Brooklyn. You're supposed to beat them. These are the Raptors. This is a team that, you know, it's tough, tough matchup for you. Show yourself. And I know he went down during the game, you know, had a, had a little little injury situation, but come on now. Like, I, it, it, I'll, I'll be the first one to say if Billy Donovan is getting co- outcoached out there. But if Nick Nurse can stay small and still out-rebound you the way he did and forcing you to go small as well, nah, man, I need, <laughs> I need six foot eight, 230 pounds out there throwing himself at the rim. I need it. Because this team, right now, after the two games they won and now this one and now you're going up against Detroit, then you get 
You get Phoenix on Friday, which should be tough because Kevin Durant might be back for that one. It's going to be a, a packed house at the UC if he is. It's going to feel like the vibes. Like, you're running out of games here. And you're running out of opportunities. And these are the games that are going to kick you in the rocks worse than any 20-point blowout, worse than any, you know, embarrassment where you, 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 you're you looking over and like, damn, did the, did the Magic just do that? No. Nah. These games right here where you're supposed to win them and the game says you're supposed to win them. But just little details. Three turnovers in the first two minutes of the game. 18 offensive rebounds total for the Toronto Raptors. 20 turnovers total for you. 23 different, I'm sorry, 23 shot disparity in total field goals attempted. That shit's just effort, man. And if you if the effort is the same and you're just not matching up, ta-da! <laughs> there is a six foot eight, 230-pound brick of a young man over there that should be affecting and influencing these outcomes. And I'll continue to say it about young players who I have high expectations for. So that Lowry marketing heat, it, it got transferred to Pat Will two years ago, three years ago, and it continues to be there. This is one of those games that I'm just sitting here pulling out the hair that I don't have, waiting for this young man to ignite, waiting for this man to impact. And when he does it, I love it, but it's got to be a lot more consistent. And if I'm him, I'm watching this game. I'm saying this is the game that I was supposed to impact the most. I thought I thought this this was a game specifically where you see Scotty Barnes over there, oh. somebody that you can definitely match up with phys- physically wise. That someone's going to be I'm on the bench and Scotty's over there. They're they're trying to build around him over there in Toronto, and I just got moved to the bench. Yeah, like what? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, is, is it the environment? Because we had these questions about Laurie marketing. And Laurie left the environment, and then now he's Laurie marketing. Is it the environment? What do, yeah, but, I, I mean, you brought in Pat What Benzie. is it? You brought, DeMar DeRozan has long been in this dude's ear. Thad Young was in his year before he left. Shout out to Thad. We saw Thad tonight. You know, make a play to the Toronto Raptors. There's still old man buckets out there. Thad. But a half-court Thad. shot up that he didn't yeah. really... You see that? <laughs> 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 I'm like, did he? And then it's seven tenths of the second left. I'm like, is it going? Wow, well, there's not there's not a half. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing for uh, veterans keeping their head in the game at all times, you know. Shout out to I got that though. One of the better dudes we've had a chance to cover in this city. But man, it's just it's disheartening. You know, it's it's tough. It's tough when you've got that kind of physical tool over there, and he just isn't affecting the game as much. Or Maybe not getting a chance. Well, he had 22 minutes tonight. So is the decision being made or is the decision being made for Billy Donovan by your play? That's what Pat Williams has to ask himself. And, and it's not all on Patrick. Don't get me wrong. Right? Like there was, there was some DeMar DeRozan possessions down the stretch that were a little head scratching. I, I thought with the addition of Patrick Beverly that the ball would kind of be kind of centered a little bit more in the offense in terms of you don't have to take it out of bounds. You don't have to take it off the rim tomorrow. You can go and have the defense not have all eyes on you and play off the ball. But that hasn't been the case over the last, I'd say, game and a half. First game? Oh, yeah. It was Pat Beverly Mania. He was dribbling the ball a whole lot. Usage Drake was high. This game? It was time for DeMar, especially back in Toronto, to get that off. And the Bulls come away with a loss, 104-98. to So it's just one of those things where this is one of those losses that it may not stick out at the end of the season. Hell, none of these may stick out at the end of the season. They may be out of the play-in, right? But, but for me, man, all those offensive rebounds, all the physicality that a team junked up the game with in, in the Toronto Raptors because that's the way that they knew that they would win this one, and they went out and did it, and they did it to a T. They, they shot 39% in the NBA game and scored 104 points. That's a game that you, nine times out of ten, you tell me that's what happened, I'm telling you the Bulls won because of what their defense did. But this is that tenth time. And the guy that I thought that could have affected this thing, whether it's because of his coach or him, didn't affect it to the, uh, to the extreme that I think he should and might be running out of chances and opportunities to get to going forward. So 
It's up to Pat Will, but uh, we've been saying that now for a couple of years. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. The Full Goal podcast is in your area, and we have a special guest on for this episode. His name is Charlie Potter. You can catch him, Bama Online, 24-7 Sports. Um, he is, and first of all, he's got a massive following. Uh, that's, first, that's how Tony Gill sold Charlie and his content to me. This guy's got one of the biggest followings in the SEC. Jason, get your mouth shut and get ready to be taught about Crimson Tide basketball and also Will Anderson. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about Will Anderson uh, before long. But the Brandon Miller story, you know, before you, before you uh, jumped into this interview, we had a chance to chat for a couple of seconds. And I told you that college basketball for me now is watching the tournament and enjoying that vibe and enjoying that fanfare and fun. But for me now is watching to see who the dudes are in, in the men's game. And of course, in the women's game, who the ladies are, but who the dudes are, who, who's going to be next level players. Um, I, you know, I've dubbed the NCAA tournament, the, the festival of missed jump shots and, <laughs> and, and, and continuously uh, becomes that year after year. And guys are going to the league younger and younger. And I'm not mad at it. It's just I, I want to see who filters themselves out. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't go to the Apollo to hear people sing. I want to see you when you've torn, right? So the Brandon Miller situation, for people who don't have quite as much background information, obviously, as you, because you covered this thing from start to finish and covered the university athletics, if someone who's just dropped in on this situation and said, okay, what is the Brandon Miller situation? From whatever the start is for you, to where we are at now, um, details-wise, what can you give us of what's alleged, what's understood, and then we can get into what's really happening around that that situation down there in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a whirlwind month and a half. You know, back on uh, January 15th, um, news broke that another Alabama basketball player, Darius Miles, uh, he and another man, one of his friends, uh, Michael Davis, were... Um, arrested and charged with capital murder, which is not something you wake up on a Sunday and expect to, to write about, just covering college athletics. And, um, it, you know, early on, there were a lot of rumblings that other players were were present. And that makes sense. These guys hang out together. They're going out after they win a big game. And, um, you know, they're just out in downtown Tuscaloosa on the Strip, which is where the, the fatal shooting happened. And, um, you know, fast forward to just a couple of weeks ago, and in a public hearing uh, to see if if Darius and Michael were gonna he'll be let out on bond. Um, some more details emerged publicly, at least. Uh, Alabama was aware of of most, if not all, of these, and and Brandon Miller's name was 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 mentioned. Uh, so with Jaden Bradley, another freshman on this basketball team, but with Brandon, um, the details from his attorneys and what have been said what has been said publicly is that. Um, Darius's gun, which he provided for Michael Davis, which he used in the shooting, was in the backseat of Brandon's car. And um, so anytime you have a, a player involved in this, it's going to be big news. But you, know, you were just talking about it you know, around college basketball. You know, there are players that have uh, separated themselves in terms of their talent. And Brandon has been among the best in the country this year. And it's even been more magnified because of his success in the court. And Alabama, uh, again, they've been aware of the situation. He is not a suspect in this. He is a cooperating uh, witness. And um, I know a lot of people have been you know, wondering and even calling for him not to be on the court. But again, he's cooperated every uh, step of the way. Uh, even in that public hearing um, just a couple weeks ago, you know, they talked about how uh, Darius and Michael um they maybe lied to police initially, but Brandon's story checked out with everything that they had from a video surveillance standpoint. And so 
I get the backlash from it um, because a woman, a mother lost her life. I think that gets lost in a lot of this just because right. of the notoriety of the people involved. But, um, you know, Alabama has uh, kept Brandon as an active member of the team. He's you know started the last two games since he's been publicly named in this uh, incident. And I will say Alabama has kind of handled this poorly in terms of a PR standpoint. Nate Oates, the head coach, has, has said some things publicly I think he wish he wouldn't have said. What are you know, some I, of those things? Um, whenever he was asked publicly about uh, Brandon's involvement, uh, he used the phrase uh, wrong spot at the wrong time. And that just, what he said was basically what you would want him to say if you're the administration. And as soon as he said that line, I was like, oh, I bet he, he wishes he didn't say that. Because at the time, when he said that, all that was known was that um, the gun was in the backseat of the car. There were more details that came out that Brandon was um, with them that night. It, it turns out, um, you know, Brandon, I, the way that they're making it out is that Brandon didn't know a lot was going on. And I think that's fair to say whenever you look at the attorney's uh, statement, everything, at least what we know for right now, I don't want to, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't mm-hmm. want to just mm-hmm. you know, speculate. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, um, Nate just, he, he shouldn't have said that. It just, it's in poor taste, again, with the tragic situation with a woman losing her life. And um, he, he later apologized for that. But, you know, how social media goes, it gets tweeted out and then people, um, you know, crucified him for it. And then we saw before the Arkansas game um, this past weekend, uh, he's done it all season long. But, you know, whenever guys come off the bench pregame, is the, when the starting lineups announced, they have a handshake with a guy at the end of the line. And uh, for him, he holds his arms out and he gets patted down. That's a bad look given the situation that they're in right now. And and that's just the the way that they've handled it publicly with some things that have been said, some things they haven't changed. Uh, kind of a PR nightmare for Alabama. So it's been an interesting month and a half to say the least. And I mean, at the same time, they've they've weathered a lot of these um, a lot of this adversity, a lot of these distractions, and. You know, we were talking about it before um, we started recording uh, with this A and M Ole Miss game. If if Ole Miss were to beat A and M, Alabama would be your outright regular season champs in the SEC. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, they can do it tomorrow with a win over Auburn. So they've been able to win a lot of games, but it's certainly been a, a dark cloud of the program the last month and a half, and it's a, a cloud that doesn't seem to go away. Yeah. So this entire story with the details that have come out seemingly, you know, every week. Now, it, it's had my head spinning because, one, we're talking about young adults, but still college-age kids and the stupidity that goes on in, when it comes to decision-making. Um, and I'm not—let me get this out the way. Um, like you mentioned, a young woman, a mother, died, and that is paramount. That comes before anything because I'm going to ask you about some of your feelings about how not only this has been handled by the University of Alabama, but the people who are on the other side of, uh, you know, Brandon Miller not playing. Um, it should be said, first and foremost, that a life was lost and, and the gravity that that situation should hold uh, should be omnipresent, not only now, but, you know, for Brandon Miller for the rest of his life, this is going to be a part of his story now. Uh, the transportation of the gun in the back seat of a car without touching it and some of the Alabama gun laws, like how how do those things come into play in terms of, um, middling, not even middling, but coming up with the, the 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 position of well, he didn't commit a crime, so technically he isn't involved in the way that people might think. But at the same time, you transported the gun in a in a car that you didn't touch it, and someone was murdered there and after. Someone was shot and killed there and after. Um, how does each side of Brandon Miller should play, as opposed to Brandon Miller shouldn't be playing? How are they how are they positioning these arguments? Yeah, I think Alabama has done everything it can from a, a research and understanding standpoint and from a, a district attorney, from from everything that we've seen from a kind of a law enforcement standpoint, they've they've all but said there's no way that they can charge Brandon with anything. He's not guilty of anything within the law. And so um was it poor judgment to be out that night to to be hanging out with with Darius? Um on this given night, sure. Um, hindsight is also advantageous for everyone talking about this. Um, I, again, I, I don't think that Brandon necessarily knew that 
it was in the backseat of his car because it sounds like it was covered up. And uh, he arrived moments before the, the shooting happened. And uh, I know that Darius texted him and, you know, he was his ride. But it sounds like Brandon didn't go to the club they were at. You know, he was eating dinner. He drove somebody else home. Uh, so I don't think his involvement in this um, is something that could be hinged on just him being a part of it, I guess. Um, I, I do think, though, that, you know, with people calling for him not to play, um, I don't think now it, it makes a lot of sense for Alabama to suspend him, given that they've known about it since January 15th. If you're going to suspend him, it should have been earlier on, and maybe him and, and Jaden Bradley, because Jaden Bradley was also named, even though it was only briefly just the fact that he was present that night. But, um, you know, there had been reports that his car was blocking uh, the Jeep that was ultimately fired upon. And, you know, his attorneys have said that wasn't the case. And I, I think, though, just his presence there leads people to want to see him punished. But it, just because it was made known to the public a couple weeks ago, I, it just feels like Alabama, you know, they they knew his involvement a month and a half ago. And if they were going to do something, they would have already done it if they felt that it needed to be done. Now, I'm sure they've had multiple conversations. I know back when it happened, you know, a lot of these guys got counseling and things like that. Um, and then on top of that, given his success in the court and him being one of the best players in the country, not only best freshmen, but best players, um, people are like, well, it's just because of, of who he is. But I think given what they've been told and what they've gathered, gathered, what Brandon has said, what his attorneys have said, you know, again, it, it goes back to legally that he didn't do anything wrong. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to keep him off the court. Now, of course, he is important to Alabama's on court success, but I think given everything that they've been able to draw from law enforcement, from everyone involved, you know, they, it's a situation where they feel like they're doing the right thing here. And, and it's not NATO's decision whether he plays or not. This is kind of above his head, above his pay grade. And, you know, people uh, at the university, um, the athletic director, the president, the board, you know, they're the ones that are going to be making this decision. And I think they've all kind of gathered the same information. And the fact that he's not charged, he's not a suspect, um, it has led to him being on the court and, and ultimately, you know, playing well for Alabama. couple of things. If NATO didn't want him to play, would he still be playing? Because uh, I'm trying to, because you said it's out of his hands and above his head and above his pay grade. If he didn't want, if NATO marched into his AD's office and said, guess, guess what? This, this thing is going to be too much of a distraction for my team. I understand he's a terrific player. Uh, also, you know, somebody died, right? So how, how would that have played? Because I'm trying to understand the power dynamic and the the passing of the buck and trying to trying to figure out here because in the end to me Charlie uh, like I there's a 19 year old involved here right and uh, the, for the people who want to see him fry and burn for whatever reasons like we already know what that's about like you got people upset that he's got a, a lawyer right it's like what do you like what do you want you want him not to be represented right he's still an American citizen um, but if Nate Oates says, I don't want this guy playing, do, do the Alabama powers that be listen or do they override that decision in your estimation? Um, I think they listen. Um, I, I think Nate, I mean, he and, and Greg Byrne, the athletic director, have a good relationship and they are on the same page more often than not, if not most of the time. And so um, you, with, with what they've said publicly, you know, Brandon, UA Athletics, everyone has been, you know, cooperating fully with law enforcement. I, I think mm -hmm. that given that he's not considered a suspect, he's a cooperative witness. Um, and given all the context they receive, they've received, I, I don't, I don't see Nate going against the grain there. Um, you know, I think they've been very together on this. I think that's the way to be. I don't think there needs to be the divisiveness, but, um, you know, Nate is also an opinionated person. And I think that's one thing that's good about covering a guy like him is, uh, he's going to, he's going to answer every question really. And even in some of this, um, 
you know, they've they've kind of had the, oh, we're not going to take questions on Brandon, but he still, you know, kind of went around it and answered it. And that's refreshing from a reporter standpoint. But I think with this, uh, a unified approach is the, the way to go. And that's the way he's done this. And But even if he had been different or he had a different opinion on this, I don't know if, you know, Greg Byrne, the athletic department, the university would have decided with Nate on this. Maybe, um, maybe they would have. I, I don't know. That's That's kind of a, a hypothetical question I don't really have an answer for. So there's been a lot that's been surrounding some of the details and some of the uh, the chronological order of the arrival of Brandon Miller. Was he summons there? And it, was it a, a dispute? Was it an unwanted advance? Like what what was going on that he was asked to the, the story? He was asked to bring a gun, or he was asked to come to wherever the the offenders were um the 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 people who are suspected of killing this young woman uh due to gunfire what was what was around that in terms of how brandon miller was introduced to the scene and introduced to the situation right well they were leaving a a club on the strip which is right off uh, the campus at at ua and um it was darius miles and and michael davis uh brandon was not there and one of them um, I'm trying to remember. I think it might have been Davis was dancing in front of the Jeep that Jamia Harris was in. And her boyfriend didn't like that. Apparently, there was a little bit of a heated exchange. Uh, Miles and Davis left. They came back. Um, at that point, uh, I believe Darius had given the gun to Davis, who then, you know, um, shot and ultimately killed uh, Jamia Harris. But in, in looking over what the attorneys have said, um, Miles had asked Brandon to, to pick him up so they could leave and go to another spot. And Brandon said he would be there later. And apparently, Brandon or, uh, Darius had, had texted him and it, Brandon was already on his way. And so as, as he showed up, the gun, which um, Brandon's attorneys have said he did not know was in the back of his car. Uh, was then used to uh, commit the crime. So that's kind of how they laid it out. That's me also just skimming over this. Hopefully I didn't leave anything out. But um, Brandon wasn't with them when they were leaving the club, and he came to pick up Darius to take him to another spot. And that's when they were returning from what was the altercation on the strip and then ultimately um, committed the crime. And and I, I get it. It is a situation where, the, the biggest thing I've seen on my um, in my mentions anywhere is that if if Brandon had made the right decision and not returned the gun, then you know, potentially you're sitting here and, and you have um, Jimmy Harris still with us. But uh, with what the way this is kind of shaping up timeline wise, Brandon was coming back to pick up Darius, and I don't know if he received the text or you know knew what was going on. They're claiming that he didn't. Um, I think Alabama is pleased with that. So they've maintained he had no knowledge of any intent to use a weapon. And um, so he wasn't he wasn't summoned like, hey, bring me my gun. We got issues up here. Uh, reading over this, I don't think so. Uh, I think he I think Darius probably did send him a text. If you're looking at some of the other reporting, I will say some of the reporting immediately uh, after the hearing. It's kind of reckless because that's what people, a lot of people have ran with. Um, mm. You know, there were some people that had even said it was Miller's gun, and that wasn't the case. It was Darius Miles' gun. Uh, we've seen uh, people that have aggregated that such reporting that have called it Miller's gun. So, yeah, we're not been, we're not doing that here, obviously. Yeah, we, yeah, but right. But what what I want to because it does matter if someone tells you, "Hey, I got issues up here," you know, I bring the strap with you. And if you don't touch it, but you transport it and all the loopholes that are are, are being um, exploited here, like that to me is um, that defines your involvement. If, if and, and listen, if I go back and think about all the decisions I made when I was that age and, you know, unnecessary allegiances and loyalty to people who maybe I shouldn't be loyal to just because you want to make sure somebody's okay or you think somebody's unsafe. I just want to, I'm just trying to part and parcel through some of the specifics of motivation or what could have been, um, 
what could have been, I guess, avoided. Um, so that's that's the only reason I'm asking you. Yeah, I, I've seen the stuff about it being Brandon's gun and all that, and that obviously, well, not obviously, but that's been declared that that it wasn't the case after all the fact finding and details have come out. That's why I asked you: Did he? Did he? Was he asked to bring the weapon to the situation that was not de-escalating seemingly? Right. I mean, to be quite honest, I didn't know we were going to talk this much about it, so I did, needed to brush up on this. But here's here's some more context. So. Uh, Darius did text Brandon and asked him to bring him his firearm or his firearm. And this was when he was already on the way to pick him up. Brandon, this is directly from the attorney. Brandon subsequently arrived at the scene to pick up miles. Brandon never got out of his vehicle or interacted with anyone in Miss Harris's party. Um, Brandon never touched the gun, was not involved in this exchange in any way and never knew that illegal activity involving the gun would occur. So he was already on his way to pick him up when, uh, Darius had texted him to bring him his firearm. Okay. All right. Uh, what has the family said in terms, if anything, that uh, of Jameer Harris? Have they spoken? Um, how has the University of Alabama's communication with them been, if any? Like, what what's happening with that side of the equation? Right. I haven't talked to them directly. Um, you know, Nate Oates, every time he's mentioned this, made sure to talk about how tragic of a, a situation this has been and to mention her and even her son came. Um, so, you know, it's, it is a situation where, uh, again, those comments we were talking about earlier, uh, immediately after um, Brandon was publicly named, you know, those were, those were probably very upsetting to the family. In fact, I think looking back over some things that that was what they took the, the biggest issue with. Um, Nate has, has repeatedly apologized for that. And then, you know, ever since then, he's kind of deferred to um, the administration in terms of what they've said. So, um, yeah, it's it, we, we talked about it already, but lost in all this is, you know, the loss of a, uh, yeah. a mother and yeah. a family member. And uh, I think, you know, Alabama has has talked about that not only. Um, in a public setting, but I think with the players as well, that, you know, they, of course, were, were friends with, with Darius Miles, and uh, now he's no longer part of the team and, and in jail. But at the same time, there's, you know, a family out there that's affected, and they have to keep them in mind, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, that is the, to me, that is um, the, the omnipresent kind of tenor of this thing is that there's a young lady who is no longer with us and children, like you mentioned, or a child that is, does not have their mother anymore because of a senseless uh, interaction. So this is a story that's going to continue. I mean, the, if Alabama has a long tournament run, um, this will get more and more attention. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people who have kind of heard about this story and, you know, you know, tried to figure out what it was or maybe not dived into it as deeply as they can. But as this team continues towards their, you know, tournament uh, chances, um, this thing is going to, uh, I think, be uh, be be raked over the coals pretty much by the national attention that it's going to get here soon. Um, and uh, it's just it's tough because, you know, you want you want you want fairness in this situation. And I'm talking about for Brandon Miller as well. Right. Like you want if a guy hasn't committed a crime and is guilty of making probably an awful, awful decision or not even just being like Nate Oates said, maybe he was in the wrong place, wrong time, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is going to be uh, a stain, unfortunately, um, for him for the rest of his life because he's involved in something as uh, tragic as this. So uh, we'll see how this thing plays out. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford, or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity 
on your real life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. Bears fans who are listening right now want to know about a guy who I think is um, the dude, no matter what you want to do with all this trade talk, people talk about trade. We're going to get into it in this pod as well, but people talk about trading down twice and jumping back up. And all I'm saying here, Charlie, is that dude, <laughs> Will Anderson, is the prize. I, I've, I've watched him play for the last couple of years and the guys like Micah Parsons that we've seen detonate the NFL and of course Vaughn Miller who's had a Hall of Fame career and been a closer in Super Bowl situations for a couple of different squads like there is something um, irreplaceable I think for that kind of talent that kind of intimidation that kind of fear factor that you could put into an offense am I putting too much in the Will Anderson basket in terms of if even if Something isn't there trade-wise. I don't want to go too far where Will Anderson is out of the purview of the Chicago Bears for an NFL draft prospect. No, I mean, I remember um, before his freshman season in 2020, of course, you know, we were affected by the pandemic, so we weren't out there. But just in talking to people, um, immediately when Alabama started uh, summer workouts and ultimately preseason camp, Will Anderson's name got brought up. And, And at Alabama, they haven't really had a lot of young guys make an impact as edge rushers. A lot of time, you kind of have to wait your turn. Alabama recruits that position really well, so it's kind of a um, a seniority kind of thing. But right. he he didn't waste any time. I mean, it was from the jump he was unstoppable, and you know he played lights out as a true freshman. You know, helped Alabama win a national championship. Uh, had an unbelievable season. Then next year, and then this past year, his numbers were down a little bit, but. You could obviously tell that teams were um, really trying to stop 31 from just blowing up the backfield on a consistent basis. And he leaves Alabama you know, second uh, in, on the career list for both sacks and tackles for loss. And the only guy ahead of him was the late, great Derek Thomas. So that's a great company to be with. But um, yeah, Will Will is that dude. Um, there's no denying that. And the thing is, I mean, he's he's an animal on the field, but he's just... He's the nicest dude off the field. Um, he was a joy just to cover and talk to. He comes from a great family. But, you know, he was a guy that Alabama needed because defensively they've kind of gotten away from what they had been the last couple of years. But you knew that Will was going to bring it every day. Um, you know, in, in 2021 when they had a, a, a rough game at Florida and then ultimately lost to, to Texas A&M, as a sophomore, you know, he was every time he'd come up, he was he was no longer smiling. He was just pissed off at the world, and he really took on a leadership role as a true sophomore. And um, you know, was the fire on that defensive side of the ball. So he's he's the complete package. Now, I mean, the, the one knock on Will is you probably don't want to drop him in the coverage. So the Micah Parsons thing, he's not as versatile. But putting his hand in the dirt, getting after the quarterback, and and you know, just making negative plays on the defensive side of the ball, he's great at that. Um, he's relentless. He's he is that dude. That's the best way that you can describe him. And any team that drafts him, I know Chicago's, you know, would love to have him, but any team that drafts him is going to be immediately better on and off the field. Chicago, obviously, with Matt Eberflus, the cover two scheme. Obviously, guys are in sub packages for 75% of the plays these days anyway. So we're talking about three technique, weak side linebacker, and nickelback being the most important players on the field. Is Will Anderson better suited in a 3-4 edge rusher situation, or do you think he can play some 4-3 linebacker and then, like you said, put his hand in the ground for some defensive end reps when there's third down or any obvious passing situation? I think he can be... um you know, a defensive end in a 4-3, but he's lived in the 3-4. Um, you know, Alabama, it's, this year was a little a little weird because they, they introduced something they've called the, the cheetah package. So that's basically three outside linebackers and one defensive lineman and, and your uh, inside backers. So, um, you know, they tried to get as many of those edge rushers on the field. It, it wasn't always successful um, in terms of just stopping or getting a stop on defense. But... You know, that's no fault to, to Will. I, I think, though, in a 3-4, you know, he really thrives. And uh, he's a guy that, 
uh, he he has a lot of power. Uh, his get off is really impressive. Um, just from a pass rushing standpoint, he all the cliches you can throw out there about an edge rusher, mm-hmm. he has. So I think in a three fours where he's better suited, but he's it, he's not limited to that. And again, you don't really want to drop him back in coverage a ton. I think he can do that to some extent. Um, but uh, I think he can he can also have success in a four three. A lot of talk, obviously, around the number one pick because most people feel that Bryce Young, a quarterback that you covered, uh, is going to be the number one pick, whether it be for the Texans, the Colts, <laughs> anybody who wants to move up. It damn sure ain't going to be for the Bears. So all that smoke <laughs> and mirrors that everybody's been talking about is fodder for these national talk shows that are out of town stupid. The, the Ryan Poles, I don't think, is moving on. And if he is, I'll burn this tape right here. Uh, <laughs> what, what could you tell me about Bryce Young that we don't know? We know how terrific he is. We know the Heisman Trophy. A lot of people are questioning the size, the, you know, the, the, the height, the weight, all those things. But what are some of the things, pros and cons, that will be unearthed, you think, in his first professional season, wherever he has to go? Yeah, there's not a lot of cons. Uh, you know, he and Will are kind of cut from the same cloth. Um, they were both leaders as sophomores. They stepped up when Alabama needed voices in that locker room. They did so as young players. Uh, but, but Bryce just makes things happen. I think probably the biggest knock, and we saw it this year with the shoulder injury uh, at Arkansas that kept him out of the Texas A&M game. Um, he kind of has a little bit of that to a complex where he wants to make a play every play and he's willing to stand in the pocket a little too long for that. And I think he learned from it though, from that injury. Um, and you know, also this year, his receivers weren't as good as they had been. Um, you know, they had a lot of young guys that are kind of coming into that position and that's not really Bryce's fault. Uh, but yeah, he, he is someone that he, He's always trying to kind of hit a home run every time he steps up to the plate. And um, I, I think he's he's a guy, too, that he has enough uh, enough athletic ability that he can make plays with his legs. He can move the chains with his feet. But he's always keeping his eyes downfield and trying to be a pass-first quarterback. And I think if he just tucks and runs it more than he typically does, that will better suit him moving forward. He can get out of the pocket. Um, you know, it's not for him to see over offensive linemen. I don't think that's an issue for him. But uh-huh. um, he is a guy that can extend plays and make plays with his feet. And I think he can do that more. It, it takes care of his body and the the durability questions that I know he's going to face at the combine and, and heading into the draft. But he is someone that he wants to make a play every play, but he can make a play every play. Um, there's a lot of, you know, we've seen debate on our message board, on Twitter, or just sitting around, you know, who's the best quarterback to ever come through Alabama, or at the very least, the Nick Saban era in the last 16 years. And I don't even, I don't even hesitate. It's Bryce Young, because all of these players have had so many great players around them. And not to say that Bryce hasn't, but he did win the first Heisman Trophy uh, as a quarterback at Alabama, because he did put the team on his shoulders uh, a couple years ago. And made that offense go uh, and there were inconsistencies on the offensive line you had uh, games where the wide receivers were missing just look at auburn in the second half wherever he led them back to to tie it and then win it in overtime james williams wasn't playing the second half because of the targeting penalty um you know the running back position was riddled by injury so bryce young really willed that team to a national championship game appearance and a heisman trophy and uh, the guys around him really couldn't get the job done so i think yeah, he is. He's going to be able to play at the next level and play at a, a high level because he's done it every step of his career. And I don't think whatever he measures in at you know this week in India or whenever he measures uh, is is going to really impact that. All right, who's the next great Alabama player that we'll be talking about here in the next couple of years? Seemingly, uh, it, it is a uh, an assembly line. You know, that, that that you kick out, though, even, even though some of the intimidation factor and just people being playing scared of Alabama football is kind of leveled out. We see them winning 11 games every single year and being right in the mix of the CFP. So who's going to be the next guy to, to carry that mantle for Will Anderson or Bryce Young? That's a good question. Uh, they've got a lot of guys turning uh, that are talented. Um, yeah, I think Kool-Aid McKinstry, the corner, is a guy that could be a top pick in next year's draft. Uh, Dallas Turner, the outside linebacker, is the guy that's going to be stepping into Will Anderson's shoes and, and being that guy off the edge. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they've, they've got a couple of guys. Jaheim Otis is a, a defensive lineman. He tweeted this week that he's lost 101 pounds to stepping on campus, and he's still just the behemoth of a human being. I think the guys that are leaving, um, 
Wait, hold on, hold on, Charlie. Hold on, hold on, hold on. on. You ain't just going to blow by that. Somebody lost 100 pounds and they still big? Yeah. (laughs) How big was this young man when he showed up on y'all campus? And and did he have a Yoohoo IV? Like, what's what's going on out here, man? Uh, Alabama didn't list him at his correct weight, uh, but I'm fairly certain he came in over four bills. four spins yeah Ooh. he's he's now he's listed at 328 but he's he's cutting it down he looks great and uh he's a what guy position he can, does he play again he's nose guard um <laughs> but he's a guy that uh you can look him up on twitter he i believe in high school he was he was the kickoff man and would just deck dudes on kickoffs so Jamie modus is a, an athletic human being that has really put in a lot of work just to Wait, like um, a gunner or like a- no, like he would kick off and just yeah, oh he kicked the ball off and then he would go and just decoy guys. Uh, what what parents were allowing their children <laughs> to 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 come to a football game against a child who weighed four hundred pounds and was kicking the ball off? Like what uh, what's what's happening out here? But I guess that's the that's the Mississippi <laughs> education system for you. But um, <laughs> yeah, there it is, Charlie. A shot on the way out. <laughs> yeah. But defensively, they got a lot of guys that I think are talented. I think Deontay Lawson, inside linebacker, can be that. Offensively, it'll be interesting because they've got some dudes on the offensive line that I think they feel good about. They can kind of bring that nasty back. Um, you know, you have J.C. Latham at tackle, Tyler Booker at guard. Um, they got some young guys that'll be interested to see what they do in spring practice, and then um, quarterback. You know, we'll see what happens to that. that um, position battle this offseason with Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, but I think Ty Simpson has all the tools. He's a son of a college coach, and um, if he can win this position battle, I think uh, with some of the guys they have returning at receiver and running back, this offense can keep clicking. So, yeah, I think Alabama's so the, got so the, the whole, tools. So the whole team. So the whole team, Charlie. Basically, so whole, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Charlie just did, went down the hole too deep for me. Hey, where, where the guys at, Charlie? Are yeah. Actually, too deep. Straight up and down. It's still the Crimson Tide. I can dig yeah. it. I can dig it. I can we dig got, it. We got three weeks of spring practice. I'm trying to knock the rust off and get yeah, on the see work you. on the I see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little <laughs> media guy action. I feel you, baby. All right, man. Thank you so much. Um, It's uh odd times, right? And these are the times where... We, we don't get to cover the games and, and the fanfare only, but sometimes real life creeps into this. I appreciate you for uh, filling us in on that tragic, tragic situation that's happening down there on the basketball side of things. And once again, uh, you know, our prayers and condolences go out to the family of Jamia Harris because that is the uh, overriding most important thing here is that a life was lost. Uh, and, and we'll be we'll be watching we'll be watching what happens in the NFL draft man the Will Anderson thing I'm in I'm in love so I want to I, I want the Bears to draft Will Anderson and have difference makers on both sides of the football that are under 22 23 years old and Justin Fields and him so we'll see how this thing shakes out uh, I'll be sure to drop a line on you anytime I need some more Crimson Tide information make sure you go check out all of his content. Bama Online, 24-7 Sports, very own Charlie Potter joining the Full Go Podcast. Man, I appreciate your time, brother. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. It's the Full Go, That's all the time we have for episode 212 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. want to thank our guest, Charlie Potter from Bama Online. Check him out at the 24-7 Sports Network. We thank him for giving us the information on the Brandon Miller story and, of course, Will Anderson and Bryce Young. I'm sure Charlie's going to be very, very busy over this next month or so, not only with the basketball squad, but also with all the draft requests that he's going to get about those two terrific prospects. want to thank our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. He poked his head in the group chat. You know, Shout out to our guy, Steve. Uh, the active Jesse Lopez and my main man, He's back to my main man, and he is now Tony Gill. Uh, he's no longer Anthony Gill. Anthony he comes out on Sundays. Yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> don't, Jesse, don't start this shit. I may make Sunday like, like Rogue yeah. Sunday. Where See, I just you fucking pull up in my robe and fucked up. we just going right. to vibe out, man. All right, all right. I'm going to close this thing out now because... Knock out with you know. Take it easy. Take it easy. Take it easy. Tone. They're popping open. The 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 box is like slowly opening. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) See see what Jesse is doing. Jesse is definitely trying to torpedo this thing now, and I appreciate him for it. If there's some kind of like subversive kind of mission that you two are trying to execute, it's it's been it's being pulled off. 
being pulled off. I know what goes on when when I exit the Zoom and you two plot to take over the world on some picky in the brain <laughs> shit. I feel you. I got you. Just let me get to 250 episodes before you, you know, you usher me out. You know what I'm saying? I'm out here like <laughs> Homer Simpson thinking I'm the star of the show and you all out here making Bark t-shirts up. So I got you. I got you. I'm watching what's going on over here. Uh, we want to thank everybody for hanging out with us, of course. want to thank you for downloading this thing. want to thank you for subscribing to this thing, rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars that you know it needs. If not, we're going to see you in these streets. Hey, Chicago, you messed around and had on uh, had Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis as the, uh, the mayoral runoff, huh? Lori Lightfoot. Big folks is out of here. <laughs> Big folks has moved on, huh? <laughs> as, as as the group chat said, KNG is about to get a whole new clientele. She's back. Yeah, huh? She's about to up that wardrobe and, and get back out in these streets like she's supposed to. Shout out to Lori Lightfoot for, for being the first mayor in 40 years to not get reelected in the city of Chicago. Boy, the pandemic and all the violence did a number on Lori. So uh, looking forward to all the the mayoral shenanigans over the next, what, you know, month or so? Uh, I know you guys aren't, but I am because I'm getting old now. So want to thank y'all for hanging out with us. want to thank y'all for downloading, subscribing to this thing, sharing it, rating and reviewing it. Uh, hey, just tell your friends and family about it because we rock out here on the Full Go Podcast. For Tony, for Jesse, for Steve, I am Jason Gaw. Leaving with this as always, take care of each other and be safe. We will talk to you on Thursday. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.